Hey everyone, welcome to Infuse Church Online. My name is Taylor, and today we're continuing with part four of our series, How to Win as Parents and with Your Parents. Today we're talking about the tension between relationship and reputation. Because too often in today's world, and I think it will become only more uh, burdensome for, for people in their parenting relationships, is the demands of reputation and keeping a good reputation and what can happen when reputation drives relationship instead of relationship being the most important thing that we have. So stick around to hear more. Today we're in part four of five, which means we're kind of at the tail end of the whole movie. Uh, that's not a bad thing, just a, a thing, okay? Um, for you uh, people who have been going crazy about the Avengers, like today is like Infinity War and tomorrow or next Sunday will be Endgame. So you don't want to miss Endgame. That's the bottom line, okay? next week. Be here next Sunday. That's what I'm saying. Okay, anyways, if you, uh, if you missed any of this, um, you can always catch up on our app or on our uh, website under the message tab on the far right. Now, today uh, is good news for those of you who are feeling exceptionally tired and would rather just take a nap, because I'm going to give you the bottom line for today's message in just about 30 seconds, um, because we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about it. So if you tune out, you fall asleep, you're going to get the bottom line right now, and we're just going to talk about it for the rest of the time, because there's really a lot to say on it, okay? So here is the bottom line. Here's the bottom line for today. I hope that you will prioritize relationship over reputation. I hope you will prioritize relationship over reputation. And the tension that you feel in that video with your child or children having shaved their heads is a little bit of a re reputation issue, right? It's a, oh my gosh, what kind of parent am I? What will people think of me as a parent? And all the things that go along with this um, word reputation. Um, we have focused, if, if you've been here throughout this series, we have focused a lot on relationship, and we're going to do that again today, and I know you might be a little tired of it, but we focus on it, especially when we're having a conversation between um, parenting and kids, and we've used parenting, right, really broadly. We've said parents can be a lot of different uh, people. They can be teachers. They can be nurses. They can be uncles and aunts. If you have ever taken some degree of the parenting mantle on with a child at, for a season or a time of your life, you've taken on the role of a parent. And I'll be honest with you, as I was thinking about this, I can name, I don't know about you, and I don't have a great memory, but I could name probably all of my elementary school uh, teachers, as well as my principal in kindergarten, because he bought me Skittles for my birthday, because our birthdays were the same thing. And those are the things that you just remember, the kindness that people showed you, this role of the relationship and the, and the relationship within that parenting child um, uh, uh, system is so, it's so important. So that's why I've been talking a lot about it. But today, I want to talk about the, the part of reputation that plays into this idea of parenting. Because reputation, and this is a word we don't use very often, but I'm going to use it today because I think it, it really fits. Reputation can be really devious. Reputation can play into our relationships in ways that we don't even acknowledge in really small, subtle ways over time and can really wreak havoc over time in those relationships and what we're trying to teach or instill in our children if that um, is, uh, is your story and, and you have that parenting role at some point 
in your life. Now, to illustrate how reputation is devious, I thought I would start off with a little bit of a fictitious story and just ask you to kind of turn on your imaginations for a second and think about how this would play out in your life. Whether you have kids or not, we're going to imagine for a second that you do because at least all of us have been a child at some point. We've had those relationships, so we know kind of how this how this looks. But imagine that you have a child, um, and they're a pretty good kid. I mean, they really just don't get in trouble. They're, they're a good kid. Um, they're probably somewhere in their teens, eighth grade maybe, or so. All right, and one day, for whatever reason, you just felt inspired to help them out and clean out their backpack, okay? So that was really nice of you in the first place. So you're going through the backpack, and you just find in one of the pockets five dollars, and you're like, wow, that's pretty nice. I think I'm going to keep that. No, you don't do that, right? You leave it on the counter, okay, for them. And then at some point, they kind of walk by and just really in passing, you're like, hey, where'd you, get the, where'd you get the five bucks? I saw you got five bucks there. And they just kind of stop for a second. And they don't answer quite right away. And, and your like, parenting dar kind of radar comes up and it's like, what's that about? You know? And you push into it, push into it, push. Turns out they actually stole the five dollars. Can you believe that? Your great kid just stole five dollars. Yeah. And they didn't just steal it from anyone, they stole it from the teacher off the teacher's desk because their friends dared them to. Come on, mom. Come on, dad. You understand a dare, don't you? And so now your precious little child has taken $5 from a teacher, and you have a decision at this point, don't you? How are you going to approach this, or how are you going to discipline? Now, if you were here in part two of the series, we talked a lot about discipline and restoring the relationship. And so at first, you hear my voice in your head, or hopefully like the Holy Spirit or Jesus' voice. That would be a lot better than mine. But something's convicting you. Your conscience is kind of like, I should probably restore the relationship. And you're like, gosh, that's going to be a lot of work. And honestly, you really don't want to because it's just embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing to walk into a teacher's room, bring your son or daughter because they're upset at the whole situation too, and say, well, you got to apologize and restore the relationship. So you really don't want to do that. And then this thing called reputation really kicks in. And you begin to justify your way out of the thing that you feel like is the right thing to do. Because after all, you have other kids in the room, and they need things from you, and and you got that work call coming up, and and your kid really, at the idea of going and apologizing to their teacher, is not in the mix. So they start really pushing back. They say, Mom, Dad, just send me to my room. I'd be a lot, I would just be so punished if you just sent me to my room, and we called that a day, right? So you're just super tempted, because of your reputation, to just give in and let it go. After all, it's only $5, right? Now, let me ask you just a question, and you just kind of do an emotional um, overview of yourself at this moment when I ask this question. Would it change anything, even in the smallest bit, if your imaginary child and you were to go into the teacher's office and explain the situation, and that teacher, instead of kind of giving you the frown like, wow, really? I mean, they stole it, and that's kind of disappointing for you as a parent. Um, Instead of that happening, they turn to you and they say, oh my gosh, and then they insert your name, and they say, you are just like the best parent I've ever seen. And then they just go on to to give you praise. They say, wow, no parent has ever done such a thing before, but you did, and I'm just going to go tell my friends about this because this is so inspiring, and you're just an encouragement to me above all other parents. Now, let's be honest. If that was what was going to happen, and you knew that's what would happen if you brought your child in to restore the relationship, would it change anything for you? Would it make just a little bit easier for you to restore the relationship and prioritize that over the chance that somebody could kind of like, wow, oh, that's a little disappointing on your part, parent? I think 
we are really inclined and, in fact, tempted too often to let reputation drive relationship. And we honestly, we do this all the time. We give half-truths to make ourselves look a little bit better, or three-quarter truths to make ourselves look a little bit better for the sake of reputation. We don't own up to the fact that we need help in a certain area of our lives or we're struggling with something, excuse me, because we don't want reputation, our reputation to be at risk or on the line. And it ends up that at the end of the day, instead of prioritizing relationship over reputation, reputation drives and steers relationship. And by not doing By not prioritizing relationship over reputation, essentially we've said to our kids, and you know this, this is nothing new, you've said to your kids, in our relationship and in your relationship with others, it's okay to tell small little lies. It's okay to value your reputation above everything else. It's okay, in fact, I will teach you and I will demonstrate, model for you how to justify your way out of restoring relationship for the sake of of reputation. And what we've said to our kids is how others see you, how convincing others to see you better, and to protect ultimately your reputation above everything else is more important. And this is just my opinion. You don't have to agree with it. It's just my opinion. But I, I think, and I'm not the best at this, trust me, okay, you can go talk to my wife and she will tell you this is not my forte at all. I'm not speaking from a place of, well, I just got this handled, okay? I'm learning just as much as you and I'm learning from my own preaching as much as you are. I just think that I'm not sure, I'm just not sure, I'm not for sure, I'm just not sure. You can keep a shiny reputation and be honest about the challenges of parenting. I think you can keep, it honest, I think you can keep a shiny reputation but it's going to come at a cost, and likely the cost of, of the relationship and at a cost of being honest about it. And I, this is a really broad statement, too. I mean, you can plug a lot of things. You can, put, you can put marriage in here at the end, right? I'm not sure, really, and I don't think you are either, that you can keep a shiny reputation and be honest about the challenges in your marriage, because marriage is hard, or just really relationship, any relationship in general, I think this is good if you can realize that reputation does not have to drive relationship. I think it frees you if you don't have those two tied together. But I just, and and so I think you should, you know, consider it, but, but this is just difficult. And it's especially difficult because nowadays we're so busy with competitions, you know, everybody's in a competition and they're all so young. And honestly, parents, let's just ask ourselves, how much is that competition um, sometimes a reflection or how you feel in the competition, more of a reflection of your reputation and wanting to be the parent of the star kid or, or your kid to do well than it is the relationship with your kid? Or how much is that all the experiences? We talked about experiences versus relationship last week and a relationship-rich life versus experience-rich life. How much is the experiences that you try to introduce your kid to more about you just getting your kid to be the best kid ever than it is about you just spending time with your kid? How much when you were growing up was it about more your parents' desire and your parents' reputation than it was about their relationship with you? We're tempted to prioritize reputation over relationship. And in so doing, we teach our kids a different path than I think the one that Jesus had laid out 
for us. Because my solution today, and this probably won't surprise you because you're in church, my solution today is that when in doubt, when we're thinking about, hey, is this a reputation thing? Is this a relationship thing? We would take a second and maybe just open that B-I-B-L-E and open the book and start reading about Jesus. And we'd start reading about Jesus' followers. And I think consistently you would find a very clear answer when it comes to this tension. A great example of this and the example that I wanted to share comes um, from the book of Mark, Mark 10. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, that's where we're going to be today. But this example, I think, is really, really an awesome example because it's just so human. I mean, you just read this, you'll read this with me, and we're just gonna, you're just going to sit there and be like, yeah, this is just real. This is just how it happens. This is just life. This is being honest about it. And so this is documented by Mark, which we're not entirely sure, but we think most of his information came from Peter, who was actually a follower of Jesus. And so Mark is documenting this moment in time when Jesus is on the road, okay, and I brought a map along so you could follow along if you, if you like maps, if you're a map person. Um, this is the state of modern-day Israel, okay? We got the Mediterranean Sea over here, and we got this thing called the Sea of Galilee, which maybe you've heard of, and the Dead Sea, um, the Sea of Salt down here, okay? And Jesus spent a lot of time up here in Galilee and did a lot of his teaching and the miracles, walking on water, all that stuff up here, okay? And then he is on his way down to um, Jerusalem, which is right there, okay? So he's on his way down this road along the the Jordan River to uh, Jerusalem, okay? And before he gets to Jericho, somewhere in here, we kind of pick up this this story um, and and this interaction that we're going to see. Now, I think I got one more picture, maybe... I'm not sure if we got, yeah, there it is. Okay, so this is a picture, so you can kind of picture, I don't know if you're like a a visual person, so you can picture what this looks like, okay? This is, the Jordan River's right here, this is the Jordan River Valley, okay? And so they're walking on the modern-day Jordan side of the road um, and and walking down to Jerusalem. The only thing that's kind of different, because this is actually the same season that Jesus would have been making this walk, the only thing that's different is there's no electric fence, and these signs that say, beware of landmines, those weren't there at that time either, okay? They are now, but they weren't then, okay? So just not, not a lot of fun around this area, just to say the least. Okay, so anyway, so Jesus's guys are heading down, okay? And at this point in the story, um, most likely Jesus is at kind of the pinnacle of his popularity. There's lots of lots of people following crowds, Mark says. Crowds are following Jesus. So it's probably really in the lineup like Jesus, his 12 guys, okay? And then a bunch of other people. And this is just speculation on my part. But I'm guessing this dynamic is kind of what leads to the interaction that's about to happen. Essentially, the 12 guys are looking behind themselves at the huge crowd following and saying, oh my gosh, I hope Jesus doesn't like get rid of us because they're going into Jerusalem thinking Jesus is going to take over. And so I think there's a bit of envy, a little bit of uh, a popularity contest that they're playing out and it leads into what happens what happens next. So Mark chapter 10 begins like this. He says, then James and John. Now the reason... I'm highlighting John here is because John is the gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is John, the guy who wrote the gospel, okay? And I think this is kind of interesting because John didn't include this interaction in his book, okay? Now, I don't want to, like, assume why, but I think when you read it, you're going to be like, yeah, I could see why John didn't include that because that's probably not his brightest, brightest moment. So John, the sons of Zebedee, they were brothers, came to him and said, teacher, they said, we want you, parents, come on, tune in on this. We want you to do whatever we ask. Parents, if your child begins a question, they're going to ask you a question, begins it with this statement, mom, dad, I've got a question for you. 
But before I get to the question, I just need you to promise that you're going to say yes. Okay? What is the word you're thinking in your mind? Okay, those were two words, but that's fine. Absolutely no, that's fine. Yes, it's no, right? You're thinking no, okay? But Jesus, almost like a parent, very patient, very, very patient, instead asks a question back, okay? And maybe this kind of came across as a parent, I don't know. What do you want me to do for you? In other words, what do you want? What do you want? Okay? So they replied. They said to him, let one of us sit at your right hand. And Lord, let the other at your left, as you sit in Jerusalem on your throne of glory, because that's where we're going, right? We're going to Jerusalem, and we're going to take over, and you're going to be in charge, and you're going to be in the throne room. And when you sit in that throne for the first time, one of us, we don't really care who, just so long as one of us is on one side, and one of us is on the other. That would be great. Thanks, Jesus. What's the motivator? What's the motivator? reputation. Everyone will see how great we are. Everyone would see how great we are. Now, think about it. They could have asked anything, okay? They could have said, Jesus, could we just, just one thing we want you to say yes before we ask it. Could you just heal all the sick people in the world? Jesus, could you just give all the money that the poor need to live to, to like the world? Could you bring peace to the world any of that. But they didn't. So they didn't even think in that framework. They thought in their framework. They thought in reputation. And before parents, we just make this about the kids, right? We make this a kid thing, okay? We don't know why there's necessarily a difference. Just Matthew's account of this very same story is a little different. In his account, he, he heard from eyewitnesses, or maybe it was his own and his perception of the situation, or maybe a, a, just a completely different situation. James and John's mom showed up and asked Jesus the same question. Asked Jesus to put her sons on the left and the right in the throne. And I think that's important to note because parents, come on, you're tempted to do that, aren't you? You're tempted to go in there and, and kind of circumvent the normal way of things just to get your kids in the place of glory. It's a thought, at the very least, that crosses through your mind and your heart, doesn't it? So this is Jesus watching this reputation thing play out in front of him. Jesus' response. He says, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. This is kind of like the moment when, when your child walks up to you at the pool and, and they're like, you know what, I'm going I'm to go off the high dive, Mom. I'm going to go off the high dive, Dad. And you're like, kid, you can't even, like, swim. So why are you doing that? Well, then you notice over there, there's a the cute-looking boy or girl. And there's a circle of friends. And you realize it's a peer pressure thing or, you know, a girl thing. And you realize this is more about reputation than it is about anything else. And you sit there and you say, at least in your mind, you say, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're doing. Because you're not aware of the implications, the consequences, the cost to others that your choice to put a reputation above relationship will bring into this moment, into your relationships. You don't know really what's important here. Jesus goes on. You don't know what you're asking. 
Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Essentially saying, can you follow in my footsteps? Can you follow in my footsteps? To which they're like, in a second, we can. Deal. You got it, Mom, Dad. You got it. I'm going to go off the high dive. And you're like, I don't think you're going to go off the high dive. It's not going to end well. We can. Because reputation is driving relationships. Driving it. And for whatever reason, we think that in that moment, it is the most important thing. It's a very short-term way of thinking. Jesus goes on. He said, Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. Essentially, um, he's saying that once you're grown, once you've matured, once you've been through life circumstances, once you give it some time, you'll understand the real dynamics at play here. You'll understand, hopefully at least, the tension between having an authentic relationship and making it about reputation or making it about your pride, or making it about your arrogance. You'll look at the situation and say, I'm not sure what the wise decision is here, or I'm going to think about what the wise decision is here. Give it time. And and in Jesus' terms, and what he's specifically saying here, he's referencing what will later happen in Acts chapter 2. So you go home and open your Bibles and read through Acts chapter 2, and then read this verse, Mark chapter 10, verse 39, and you'll begin to connect the dots of what he's referring to in this cup and baptism whole thing. But he's essentially saying that, Once our relationship, in other words, once Jesus and disciple relationship is more important than anything else, than even reputation, you'll get it. Things will be good. Not going to be perfect, but things will be right. And Jesus, if you read the rest of the book of Acts, you will see that this truth is just truth. In fact, you just know it from life experience, don't you? That if you prioritize relationship over reputation over the long term, may not work out in the short term, may be difficult in the short term, but over the long term, it will be better. And honestly, in a lot of ways, the reputation will follow. And it will be a good and healthy reputation. That's why some of you, even our fact, are named John or named James. You want to know why? It wasn't because James and John at this point said, well, we're done with you, Jesus, and walked off. They stuck with him, at least to the crucifixion. And then they were like, I don't know. But then he came back, and they were like, now we get the relationship. And now at all costs, Jesus, we will prioritize relationship over our reputation. Jesus goes on. So patient. He's being so patient. But to sit at my right and left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. Essentially, this is a God thing. This is a God thing. And if it was about relationship, you'd just let it be a God thing. And you'd let the reputation go. Now, the problem is, and here's where the consequences for you and I come in, is the other disciples are kind of like listening in. They're like, what's, what's James and John doing up there talking to Jesus alone? What are they saying up there? Did we get whiff that that they want to sit on the throne and we're all going to be like relegated to the back row or something? So they start getting a little, uh, little upset. Understandably so, right? Because that's how you get up feel too, right? When, when somebody's prioritizing reputation, you know, you're, you're watching this whole thing play out and you're like, wow, you are just desperate for attention. 
You are desperate for your glory to go before everybody else's or your child's glory to go before everybody else's. Or as a kid, you sat there and you looked at your parents and you're like, Mom, is this about you or is this about me? Dad, is this about you or is this about me? What's it really about? So the disciples at this point are indignant. The remaining ten are indignant. That's not a word we use it very often, but it's right here. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Relational issues start to come out of this. Because they're sitting there. We've been following, we've been following Jesus almost about as long as you have. Granted, you guys were the first ones, but we came really closely after that. Why are you so much greater than we are? So Jesus, sensing the tension, just goes from more like future, most more prophetic, like this is what's going to happen in the future, and he just makes it really, really practical. And he calls them together, Mark says. He calls them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. The Gentiles were non-Jewish people. Primarily, he's referencing Romans, okay? What do the Romans do? They get their power, they get their influence, they get their reputation, and they lord it over others. And their high officials exercise authority over them because oftentimes, and I think this is why reputation can be so devious, is because sometimes, oftentimes, reputation comes with some more degree of authority or influence into other people's lives. That's why we crave it so much. And Jesus is like, it's true, that's how it works, but it can be used to the detriment. That reputation can be leveraged, not for the relationship, but for the benefit of the individual for whom is so concerned about the relationship. And then Jesus gets real serious. And this is that, you know, look me in the eye kind of moment. He says, not so. Gentiles might do it. Romans may do it. People in authority may do it, but it will not be so with you. It's not my standard. It's not how I do business. It's not how I parent. And it's certainly not how I have relationships with others. You want greatness? You want a good reputation? I'll tell you how to do it. Instead, Instead, whomsoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whomever wants to be first must be slave of all. What do you want people to see you doing? Serving others. You want to you be considered successful? Begin by serving others. And this might not be a, a world thing, right? You may not get as far as you want to in the world if you do this route, but in my kingdom, in Jesus' kingdom, and how God has set, the, set his kingdom up to work— you're going to go pretty far when you think of others first. In other words, if you care more about your relationship with others or their relationship with others or their relationship with their Heavenly Father first before any benefit to yourself. That's what, that's what relationship is all about. That's what serving is all about. To prioritize others first parents, kids. You want to see your kids to be great one day? Take this posture. When you get alone and it's just your family, you have an option. You can bring down the reputation of others. You can talk about others in a negative way, not to their benefit, not to help them. You can, and, and your kids are listening, right? And they're picking up on all of this. 
You can make decisions of how you prioritize your time and all that for your benefit of the reputation, or you can do it of the relationship and be a servant. Not just to some, but to, to all. So here's my question. Am I, here's what you need to ask yourself, am I serving my reputation or am I serving my relationships? Am I serving my reputation or my relationships? Now, if you've ever been here when we do baptisms, it's an awesome time, and everybody gets to share, they share their story via um, the, the video, and, um, and, and oftentimes in those stories, they're not, they're not perfect stories, right? There's stories that say, you know, I, I, I was doing, you know, drugs, I was avoiding church, I was avoiding God, I was blaming others, I was making it all about myself, you know, I, I gave my life to Jesus a long time ago, but I just, I just didn't think this was a priority, really, and I didn't really play it out as a priority in my life, but, but now I'm here. And that story is not exactly a great PR move, right? I mean, it doesn't make you look that great, it makes you look honest, but not that great. But I think that moment is so important for us to just be honest and for others to hear just that degree of honesty that says, you know what, when it comes to following Jesus, I have decided to follow him, and in so doing, I put that relationship above everything else. Even if it means being really honest about where I've been and the decisions that I have made, small or big problems, you know, relationships first. That's why it's so transformative. That's why it's so inspiring and encouraging, because people are saying, I'm serving relationship first. Relationship with God over reputation of others. How does this look really playing out in our parenting? Well, when we look at that graphic that I've been showing for the last couple weeks, this one right here of all the phases of parenting, because phases of parenting look different, you know, when you're in these discipline and training years, okay, you may be tempted, especially if you're new to parenting, you may be tempted to protect your reputation and your family's reputation when it comes to disciplining your kids, but then you're going to compromise the discipline. You're going to compromise the opportunity to restore the relationship with others. You're going to go into your teacher's room their teacher, you're going to avoid going into their teacher's room instead of going into their teacher's room. You're going to avoid taking your kids out into public because they've shaved their heads and you're like, I don't know what to do and I'm going to look like a terrible parent or something. You put a hat on them or something. Or you just go and say, yeah, I wasn't there. I was in the other room and they got the buzz cutters and this is what happens. Hope you learn because I didn't. Okay, anyways. And then training years, okay, same kind of thing when you're, you, you become the parent who's more like the training wheels on a bike, right? You're not like holding the bike for them, but you're just kind of there. You're watching, and you're working with them, and you're demonstrating, okay? And the hard part about these years especially, especially when you're kind of new to it, okay, is um, that you're going to be kind of alone. Just be honest with you. You're going to be kind of alone in this because your friends and your Facebook friends and your Instagram followers and all that you know, they're, they're not going to be so concerned about relationship as you are. And they may look at you a little funny when you choose relationship over reputation. But you will have, at the end of those 18 years, kids and relationships that have been built on the honesty of life and challenges and hopefully a relationship with their Heavenly Father because they've seen you model it. And that will take them in life a lot farther than a reputation will. Because eventually it kind of crumbles, 
and falls apart. And then when you get into those coaching years, those teen years, and these are the years when your kid starts really pushing back on you, and they start negotiating with you, and boy, are they good at negotiating, right? And they like, they come up with arguments, and you're like, what in the world are you learning all this stuff from? And you're really tempted to give in. Hold your ground. Because for them, now reputation is so important. Remember those middle school years? Okay, reputation is everything. You either have a great one or you don't. And they're going to push back on curfew, and they're going to push back on dating, and they're going to push back on family time, because they have a reputation to uphold in middle school, which you know by life experience really has no lasting effect on your life. Nobody's going to be, and, and are, were you in the popular group on your resume in middle school? No, that's not a thing, okay? Here's where your kids, deeply, this is just research-driven stuff, says that your kids want you to be the rock. Wants you to be the relational rock. Because everybody in their lives, nobody else is advocating for their relationship. They're advocating for reputation first. So different. I will tell you one of the best decisions my mom and dad ever made in those years for me was they said, because they had, they had kind of done their formation thing, right? I knew the right and wrong and that kind of thing. They said to me, my mom said to me, Taylor, if you're in ever a situation and you feel uncomfortable, you want out, you know not, it's not right, and you, you're torn between, she didn't say it like this dramatically, okay, I've just had more practice, but um, she, <laughs> she said to me, you just blame it on us. If you need out, if you need a reason to leave, to make the right decision, take a shot at our reputation. Take a shot at our reputation. And there was a number of times I did, and it was the most comforting and assuring thing that I knew if I was ever going into a situation, I'm like, I don't know if I should be here. I don't know if I should do this. I knew I always had an out because I could say, hey, my parents told me I got to be home at, at 835. Yep, that's right now. And they're like, wow, your parents suck. And I'm like, yeah, they, they're awful. They're just the, the absolute worst. And the whole way home, I'd be ah, so grateful, so grateful for that. But the reality is, how many coaches have you seen play to the crowd, play to their reputation, then played to relationship? Played to relationship. What if? What if reputation didn't matter? Especially in that year. What if reputation didn't matter? What decisions would you make differently? Let's reprioritize relationship. Let's reprioritize relationship over reputation. And for those of you who sit there and say, oh, well, Taylor, I don't know if I can do that because I got these work things, I got obligations, you know, I got to prioritize my career because that means my family has money, you know, and, and so if you, if you tell me I got to go this way, then I'm, I'm just going to have to be late to work and things like that. Listen, I do not want to call from your boss that says, well, the pastor said that I got to prioritize relationship and so he hasn't been showing up and he said it's all your fault and all that stuff. Not, that's not the call I'm going to field, okay? Why? Because reprioritize relationship over reputation without compromising responsibility. Say that 10 times fast. By the way, today's message is brought to you by the letter R. <laughs> R. There it is, okay? Yeah. It's fantastic. That's right. Yeah. Never grew up watching Sesame Street, but I am now. Um, <clears throat> reprioritizing relationship without compromising responsibility. And if you have any questions about this, we did a series on this in January. You should go back and watch it. But here's, here's the deal. You may need to change your responsibilities. You may need to change your responsibilities if your responsibilities are keeping you from relationship. You will not always be the director of something. You will not always be the teacher of the year. 
You will not always be, always be, always be. You will always, if, you, if a child has given you the mantle of being a parent or parent figure in their life, you will have that for life. Listen, you can break it, you cannot erase it. You can break that relationship, but you cannot erase that relationship. You can do hurtful, damaging things. You can undermine it by prioritizing reputation. Over time, it will take its toll. It will. So prioritize the relationship that you will always, always have. It may cost you. It really may cost you. And I understand it's not easy, right? It's not like you can just switch jobs tomorrow, but you can start working towards it. You can say, this is a priority. Priority. A priority. So here's, here's the, if you're really still kind of pushing back on it, here's the fill in the blank, just so you get it. Regarding that thing, regarding this situation, regarding this parenting decision, regarding whatever it is, fill in the blank and ask yourself, am I serving my reputation? Am I serving my child's reputation or am I serving relationships? My serving relationship, that's, that's the test. That's the litmus test to try, because these are difficult, difficult decisions with little hairbreadth differences between them. What's right, what's wrong, it's difficult, it's not easy. You're just going to have to ask this, or I'd encourage you, put this into prayer. Lord, regarding this, if you're a Christian, regarding this, am I serving reputation or relationship? And if you're not a Christian, guess what, you don't have to do any of this. You don't have to do a thing. You can pick and pull what you want. But if you are a Jesus follower, Jesus made it abundantly clear that if that, the answer to that question gives you a little bit of pause and you're like, oh my, it might be, might be about relationship, it might be about reputation. If it gives you pause, you've got to go to your heavenly father. You've got to open Mark chapter 10. You've got to read through that. You've got to say, what is this really about? Like I said, this is a pretty broad application. In my marriage, in my relationship with my boss, what is this really, is this a career decision really about my rep or my relationship? I want to leave you with this. And it's the last verse of that section in Mark 10. It's a very, very famous verse. For even the Son of Man, even Jesus himself, did not come to the earth to be served even though he was king, even though he was Lord of the world. Didn't come to be served. Came to serve and to give his life as ransom. For many. Never let reputation keep him from caring for the people who needed it the most. And that relationship with a child was so important to him. He said, never, never keep the children away from me. Because as they grow, they're absorbing, they're vulnerable, they're like a sponge. I'm here to serve them just as I'm here to serve you. Sick, blind, beggars, prostitutes, sinners, tax collectors, all of them served him. Not a reputation thing. Imagine how the story of Jesus would have read if it was about reputation, even just once about reputation. My prayer for you, and we're going to pray here, but my prayer for you is that you do not let the sly, devious nature of reputation creep into some of the most important relationships that you have in your life. Because Jesus didn't. And eventually, James and John and the rest got it. And it changed the world. And it's why we're here today. Because every time it became about reputation, the church got in trouble. But every time it was about relationship, 
the church moved forward and it changed the world. So that's my encouragement. What would Jesus do? Is this about reputation or relationship? And in that decision, I just encourage you to seek out, to pray for what God would want for your life. If you would, bow your heads, pray, sing a song, and get going. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I just pray for wisdom. Wisdom for these decisions. I pray for your spirit to just kind of gently press against our hearts and our minds as we navigate some of the most important relationships in our lives that you just kind of press, impress upon us so that we would maybe just snap out of our reputation mindset and into a relationship mindset. And that for those of us that we've surrounded ourselves by, that, that we would be open to when you impress upon them that we're maybe making it a bit more about reputation than we are about relationship. And we would be open to that feedback because sometimes we need the people around us, the relationships around us to correct our steps. And, and Lord, in, in those moments, in those moments when we're not sure how to fill that blank in or what the answer to that question is, that we would go to you. And maybe that's a new thing for some of us. Maybe we're just kind of new to this whole following Jesus thing. We don't know how it all works and we're ready. We're waiting for like an audible voice and, and we're just not hearing it. But in those moments, we would just be still and quiet and wait and make it about the relationship with you and make it about hearing you, and you would just impress upon us in, a, in a, a small, quiet voice the direction we have to go. Because these are the decisions, as you have seen, as we have seen, if we read through, the, through your story, Lord, if we read through the Bible, we see it's reputation, relationship, reputation, relationship. Oh, they have it. We want it. And it's just a mess. But it's when we choose relationship, Lord, that things go how you want them to. So give us the wisdom we need to, to live that out. Your presence to live that out. And the people around us to live that out. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.